Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Dear Christian friends, she loves me, she loves me not. She loves me, she loves me not. She loves me, she loves me not. Those words probably draw in your mind a picture of perhaps a a little boy plucking away the petals of a flower as he is perhaps pondering his first, his first love or maybe a summer crush and hoping that when he runs out of petals, of course, that he ends up on, she loves me. Now maybe as adults, we, we outgrow the, the petal plucking part of that. But the reality is that we still experience the same back and forth in many of our relationships, don't we? One day we wonder, does he love me? Does she love me? The next day, does she love me not? Words that were spoken, actions that were taken lead us to to question in our mind, to wonder where we really stand with somebody else, just like that little boy plucking petals on a flower. Not one to miss any opportunities, Satan, the relationship-destroying expert, jumps on every chance he can to ensure that we feel the same way about our relationship with God. He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. And he wants to use those times of trial and struggle in our lives to point to them and, and convince us He loves you not. This morning, though, through the words of Paul writing to the Christians in Rome, God makes it clear where he stands on the issue. And Paul wants us to know, God wants us to know that no matter what, from the past, present, or in the future, God's love for us in Christ Jesus is never in doubt. You are loved. No, in fact, if if there's a question mark in the relationship between us and, and God, if there's any question about love diminishing or declining, it's it's never God's love for us, but it might very well be our love for God. And that actually is one of the ways that that we could understand the words that Paul wrote when he raised that first question we heard in our our lesson from Romans today, in verse 35 he asks, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? In the original, that last phrase could be understood either way. The love of Christ could mean Christ's love for us, or it could just as easily mean our love for Christ. Now most of the context might lead us to believe that, that Paul's talking about questioning God's love for us, which is never in doubt. And that's true. But as you consider the words that follow that question, it seems just as plausible that just for maybe a a brief moment here, Paul is, is leading us to ponder and question our love for God. Because if you look at the list that follows when he kind of answers his question and says, shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword... Well, if you know anything about the rest of the Bible, nowhere in Scripture do those things or really anything else call into question God's love for us. 
He makes it clear that it's not your circumstances. In fact, it's not even anything that you do or don't do that have any impact on His love for you. But when you consider that list and you listen to it through the ears of, of the Christians in Rome to whom Paul was writing, we could see very clearly how those things might lead us to question our dedication, our love for Christ. But at the same time, those words, that list in particular, also serve in another way. They show us how different times are now from the times of Paul. And and what I mean by that is as you hear that list, if you think about it, does it really resonate with us in 2020? Most of what Paul lists there doesn't really strike accord with us. Aside from trouble and hardship, we know what those are like from time to time. But look at the rest of the list, and quite frankly, it really doesn't apply to us all that much. He, he mentions persecution. Well, what's the worst we have to deal with? Maybe a little bit of ribbing or ridicule for our Christian faith, but not nearly the degree of persecution that Paul had to experience and Christians in his day and Christians in Rome had to put up with a far worse degree of persecution. So that doesn't really hit home with us. And, and then he goes on, and, and the next thing that he mentions after, after that sort of persecution, famine? When's the last time that you were concerned about going hungry? I, if you're anything like me, in, in my house, the, the problem we have is standing there too long with a refrigerator door open and then the pantry door, and then we go back from one to the other because there are too many choices Not because we're concerned about not eating anything, but because the stress level we have is what am I going to eat? So famine doesn't really really hit home with us either. And then after that, he mentions nakedness. Well, when's the last time you've looked in your your drawers, in your, your bedroom or your closet or those bins in your garage that are stuffed full of more outfits than you can possibly count? I don't know that going naked is really high on our list of things to worry about either. And we can call 911. We have locks on our doors. Hospitals are nearby. So just about any danger that Paul would have had in mind when he lists that word, that more or less is eliminated as well. And then finally he mentions sword, referring to the executioner's sword. That's far down on the list of our concerns. Of course, in our country, even being convicted, even being a criminal in in prison or jail, capital punishment isn't really that big of a concern, is it? So if these things don't strike a chord with us, when when Paul is is trying to point out, are are these things going to cause you to question your love for Jesus? Are they going to cause that to diminish? It just doesn't really hit home for us. So what does? Are there things, are there experiences that we could have that, that would or maybe should cause us to be concerned about a diminishing love for Jesus? And as I personally thought about that, it was ironic that what jumped out at me was almost the exact opposite type of list of things than what Paul mentions. His list is almost exclusively entirely negatives and the things that I come up with that ought to cause us concern or question about our diminishing love for Jesus are not negatives, but positives. That we have it so good that maybe it's the abundant blessings that we have that would result in our love for Jesus diminishing. So to reimagine Paul's question, 
who is he that can, or I'm sorry, in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall ease of life or convenience or luxury or cars or home and home improvements and tools and technology, shall abundance, shall vacation, shall retirement, all of these good things which very much have the capability of leading us to be so distracted by them that we don't even notice that our love for Jesus has gradually been diminishing. Maybe an application to help us grasp the difference between uh, Paul's day and age and, and ours and how this might apply. Consider two entirely different marriages that fall apart for different reasons. In one case, the wife, sadly, is, is the victim of abuse, maybe repeated abuse at the hand of her husband, or an affair, maybe a, a repeated affair. And maybe once or twice she, she tried to forgive her and even succeeded, but, but as it continued to happen, trust eroded and she just simply got to a point where she could not see herself committing to loving that man anymore. And none of us would falter. We totally understand to somebody, for somebody to go through that, we wouldn't expect them to love their spouse anymore. But then there's an entirely different way that marriages fall apart as well. And it's not the result of any trauma or tragedy like the wife experienced in that example. But it can happen simply when a husband and a wife fail to invest in each other and their marriage. And their love for each other falls by the wayside. And they become preoccupied with, with other concerns in life. And because they, they weren't concerned about strengthening or growing in their marriage, it, it seems as if they both wake up one day and both draw the conclusion, we don't really love each other anymore. It didn't take any hardship or struggle for them to get that point. It was simply neglect in their relationship. So as you consider those two examples of, of marriage falling apart, I ask you which one mirrors more accurately the concern we ought to have in our relationship with Jesus. Has God allowed so many hardships, so many struggles, weighed us down with, with strife upon strife upon strife that, that we're left so angry like the wife would have reason to be toward her husband and we feel that way toward God, shaking our fists that we just can't find it in ourselves to love Him anymore because He's been so hard on us. Or is the greater concern in our lives the fact that we simply have failed to invest in our relationship with God, that we have neglected Him for such a long time that gradually over that time our love for Him diminished. Consider the last five months that all of us have experienced Challenges in, in ways that we never thought we'd have to deal with for sure, but also opportunity. Opportunity to reflect, to assess where our relationship with God has been over time because as we have been limited in what we're able to do, we have also been given more time to invest in our relationship with God, to grow in our faith, to grow in our love for, for Jesus. Or did we presume that since the doors of the church were closed, 
so too are the doors of my heart. Did I just assume because everything was so chaotic during these past five months that, that surely God would understand if I hit the pause button on growing in my faith, if I, if I just for this time of uncertainty put Jesus on hold because surely he would understand that I, I just am so out of sorts. Maybe the simplest way to, to determine is to rate your love for Jesus. Rate it back in March and then compare that with how you would rate your love for Jesus today. Would you rate it higher today? If so, wonderful, great, keep it up. But if not, then maybe, maybe a little bit of guilt is creeping in. And at the same time, maybe you are wondering how on earth could somebody like Paul express such unwavering confidence that not only Jesus' love for him, but his love for Jesus would not ever diminish. Where does that come from? How does he have this rock-steady, anchored love for Jesus when our love is so often tepid and fleeting? How do we get like Paul? Well, he supplies the answer to that very question. In verse 37, he says, No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Three points worth noting there. In all things, more than conquerors and through him who loved us. And that third one, the last one, is really foundational. If you want to get to the heart of the issue, it's this. It's not about Paul's heart for Jesus. Paul knew it was all about Jesus' heart for him. That is the source of his confidence. In fact, not only in this letter to the Romans, but, but any letters that Paul writes, you know very clearly that, that his confidence in his relationship with Jesus was never once based on how much he loved God. He never said, I know my name is written in the book of life. I know heaven is my home. I, I never doubt salvation because I love God so much. His confidence came from knowing that it's the other way around. That God loved him so much. And that was always and only going to be the source of his assurance and his confidence. And, and he expresses that same confidence in the end of the verses that, that we hear today, at the end of verse 39, when he explains after a, another list of things that won't separate us, from what? From the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not from, from Paul's love for God, but from God's love for him in Christ Jesus. And really, if you want to backtrack to verse 28, where we talked about that last Sunday, from verses 28 all the way to the end of this chapter, is Paul recounting step after step that God took to give us the assurance, to provide the proof that if God did all of these things for you, how could you ever doubt or question His love for you? When he raises that question, who shall separate it, the, the answer he is obviously looking for is no one, nothing. If God did all of these things... Can we ever question how much he truly loves us? That it was from start to finish God who created his plan of salvation, God who carried out the plan of salvation, God who completed that plan of salvation for us in Christ Jesus. If he did all of those things, can we ever doubt or wonder how much he truly loves us? No, we can't. 
And that's why Paul says that we can live with the confidence that in all things we are more than conquerors. What does that mean, more than conquerors? It means whatever trial or hardship or whatever list we want to to make of our own experiences that we've gone through life, not just bad, but even good, we don't have to solve those things. We don't have to fix those things. We don't have to overcome those things because in Jesus, we're already more than conquerors. All of those things just remind us and take us back to the greater victory that is ours, that overcomes all things for this temporary time here on earth. The victory that we have in Jesus. A victory that assures us that His love for us will never dwindle. And so it is with the confidence of Paul that we can join together with him in saying and expressing, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Or to state it another way, He loves me. And there will never, ever be a season of He loves me not. Amen.